The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yo, 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 what up? This is Rocky Asuka Romero of Chaos, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcast, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcast, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome To keeping it strong style The ace of podcasts On the social suplex podcast network Jeremy Donovan here Solo this week On today's show, I'll be reviewing the road to new beginning, previewing new beginning in Osaka, and covering all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Please support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the network's podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Wrestling Tea store, WrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. And like you heard in the intro, I am solo this week. Unfortunately, the young boy, Josh Smith, has COVID, um, so definitely not great there. That's right, COVID is still out there, folks, so uh, definitely my my prayers out to the young boy. Hope that he uh, starts feeling better, uh, so if you're the praying kind of folk like me, go ahead and give him some prayers or give him some vibes, whatever uh, your thing is, but I'm going to hope that he gets better soon and will be uh, back in action with me next week because, uh, you know, next week we'll have that big New beginning in Osaka show to review, which I'll be previewing here on this week's show. And uh, for the show, going to go over the new beginning shows, Road to New Beginning, that happened uh, this past weekend in Corkin Hall. So I'll break those shows down, give you previews for New Beginning Osaka coming up next Sunday, and then I'll answer all the listener questions that came in. So let's jump into this. We're going to start with the uh, road to new beginning that the first show from this weekend was Sunday, February 4th from Corkin Hall. So our show opened up. We had the House of Torture team of Evil Ren Narita show Yushinobu Kanemaru and Yujiro Takahashi defeating the team of El Desperado, Oleg Bolton, Shota Umino, Togi Makabe, and Yoshihashi. So here we just see the continuation of the feud between uh, House of Torture and Hontai. And, uh, you know, Umino defeated uh, Ren Narita last week. So he's in the rare review. But um, 
Umino will be challenging Evil for the Never Openweight Championship coming up um, at the new beginning, I believe, in Sapporo. So they're starting to shift the build from Umino and Arita over to Umino and um, Evil. So this is going to be your, your standard opening tag match here. Um, towards the end, uh, Evil hit the everything. It's Evil on Makabe to uh, get the win. Uh, they're also building up Show versus Desperado. Um, previously, Show had stole Desperado's mask, and um, once again here, um, Show stole the title, and Despy was chasing him around, also trying to get the his original mask back. Uh, so lots of shenanigans in this match. Evil gets the win. Uh, then post match, uh, Evil grabs a mic and uh, talks to uh, Umino, talking trash. He pulls out the the Never title. He grabs a black spray paint can, shakes it up, and sprays the Never title black. Umino tries to, to run in and uh, stop this, uh, you know, horrible horrible act here, but Evil gets away. So good heat here, building up the, the feud between. Uh, Shota Umino and Evil for the, the Never title. Evil, uh, you know, disregarding the title, which makes me kind of think, I wonder if we're going to get a new design for the Never title uh, once Umino wins it. And yeah, early prediction here, I, I do think that Umino is going to beat Evil to win his first singles New Japan title. Um, and so it, it could be kind of cool to to bring in a new design that Never design has been there for quite some time, and so they you know they are trying to give these guys kind of their own look and their own feel and their own legacies. So, I mean, I'm fine if they keep the title the way it is, but it could be an opportunity to to update the design, maybe even the logo a little bit. Um, so, yeah, good stuff there. So then, uh, following that, we had the second match of the night. We had the Bullet Club team of Chase Owens, Kenta, and Taiji Ishimori defeating the G.O.D. team of Hikaleo, El Phantasmo, and Tomihoka Hanma. So here we're continuing to build up the IWGP heavyweight tag title match with uh, the Girls of Destiny. ELP and Hikaleo will be defending those titles against Chase Owens and Kenta. Uh, We kind of talked about this, how they already lost the strong openweight tag team title match against G.O.D. So why are we getting this matchup here again? Uh, well, these guys have gotten heat now to champs. They've stolen the titles, and uh, ELP and Hikaleo feel humiliated and want to get their revenge. Uh, still don't think it's a, a great reason <laughs> to uh, give uh, Kenta and Chase another title match, uh, but it is what it is here. Uh, Owens hit the, the package pile driver on Hanma on one of the tag titles to get the win. Then following that, we had the TMDK team of Koshe Fujita, Mikey Nichols, Shane Hayes, and Zack Sabre Jr. They defeated the Chaos team of Tomohiro Ishii and Yo, who teamed up with Hiroshi Tanahashi and Risuke Taguchi. And this match kind of playing into getting Zack Sabre Jr. ready for Brian Danielson for a new beginning in Osaka. So you've kind of seen Sabre and Danielson. These guys have been... Uh, trying to get ready for this match in different ways. Uh, Sabre has faced guys like Tiger Mask. Brian Danielson has faced Yuji Nagata. So these guys are really trying to uh, test themselves and get themselves ready for this uh, new beginning in Osaka matchup here. And so the, the story here, um, Zack Sabre, he kind of watched that match that we watched a couple weeks ago from the recommended match with uh, 
Danielson and Curryman defending against Taguchi and Goto. So Saber was mixing it up there with Taguchi, a guy who's faced uh, Brian Danielson in his uh, past life as a New Japan junior back in the early 2000s. And also uh, TMDK, the, the unit of Vegeta, Hayes, and Nichols, they're also looking to get themselves back into position for a never six-man title match considering you know, Okada says the title is vacated. Uh, we haven't heard, we haven't got an official message from, you know, the quote unquote championship committee. We haven't seen the, the black and white lion mark come out and say that the titles are vacated and we're going to be looking for new champions. Um, so yeah, with these guys being the previous number one contenders, getting um, a win here could have put them uh, back in the hunt. And so, uh, the team did win. It was, but it was Saber uh, who got the win here, uh, tapping out Taguchi after, of course, some Taguchi antics. And you know, like we mentioned on commentary, they they, they tease that, yeah, these guys they want to get back with the never six man title. So we'll see. You know, we still don't know what Okada's last two matches are for night one and two of New Beginning in Sapporo. So potentially they could do a rematch uh, for the never six man titles and drop the belts to TMDK or who knows, maybe Okada is right. And these titles are vacated and, you know, Okada and uh, or Tanahashi and Ishii are just going to have to find uh, a third man, a new partner, or maybe this is a, you know, forget it all together. <laughs> and they, they let some other teams fight over it. Maybe we get some kind of tournament or gauntlet, uh, you know, some kind of situation like that to determine New uh, never six man champions. So then, following that, we had the just five guys team. All five of them here: Doki, Sonata, Taichi, Taka, and Yuya Uemura. They defeated the Lij team of Bushi, Hiromu, Shingo, Naito, and Yota Suji. So here in this match, we're, we're building a lot of uh, singles matches that are coming up. Uh, during the new beginning in Sapporo tour, all these guys are going to be facing off in big singles matches. And we know that there's a, a heated rivalry, especially with Yota Suji and Yuya Uemura. Uh, so they were going at it here and they uh, got the, the finish here where Uemura does a Frankensteiner, turns it into a straight arm bar and taps out the gene blast Yota Suji. So uh, another win over Suji for Uemura, uh, kind of an embarrassing loss there for Suji uh, tapping out. So really kind of stirring the heat in the fire here. Suji was very upset, not happy that uh, he tapped out to uh, Uemura. And we would see kind of some developments that would happen in, in the next night. But also here we're, we're building Sonata and Naito for the IWGP World heavyweight title, um, also building up uh, Shingo and Taichi having a singles match, and also Hiromu and Doki. We saw uh, Doki pin Hiromu in a tag match last week, and Doki kind of seems to have Hiromu's number right now, and uh, that's also getting under the skin of Hiromu. So it seems like the the Just Five Guys team here is really you know pushing the buttons and the emotions of the uh, quote unquote tranquilo. Uh, Lij group here, um, but this is a, a pretty good feud, and the singles matches coming up in Sapporo should be fun. And then 
know, I'll talk about what happens the next night here when they went into uh, faction warfare. So then following that, uh, we had uh, a matchup here with the great Ocon defeating Alex Coughlin. And this was a change in the card. So actually, uh, kind of a little pre-show segment, we had the Bullet Club War Dogs. They were beating down Jeff Cobb. Apparently, there was a an autograph signing before the show, and they attacked him. He was already pulled from wrestling uh, due to a hamstring injury in his leg. So doctors pulled him just as a precaution so that he would be good to go for the big cage match coming up this Sunday for New Beginning in Osaka. Uh, so he was, you know, out there minding his own business, and then he, he gets jumped down by all the war dogs. They attack the injured leg. Uh, so he's definitely out of commission. So a great Ocon came in here to uh, take Jeff Cobb's spot. And, uh, you know, if Cobb doesn't get cleared, uh, you know, we, they could slide Ocon in there. Ocon doesn't have anything planned for New Beginning in Osaka, and they could switch out. Uh, him for Cobb in that cage match But uh, Ocon He filled in here for his United Empire Brethren and he defeated Alex Coughlin really good matchup here um, a, a lot of really good um, Amateur style wrestling Towards the beginning we know Ocon is a um, Master in a lot of uh, Martial arts disciplines including Amateur wrestling and Coughlin I'm not sure if he has an amateur wrestling Background but also he spent a lot of time in the L.A. Dojo with Katsuyori Shibata, and also they train a lot of amateur wrestling in the L.A. and Noge Dojo. Um, so yeah, these guys had a lot of good grappling exchange here. And, of course, we saw the power from these guys, Coughlin hitting nasty German suplex on Ocon. Ocon uh, returning the favor later on in the match with a big gut wrench suplex. And then these guys kind of went uh, toe-to-toe. Anything you can do, I could do better uh, with belly-to-belly suplexes. So these guys are just taking turns uh, throwing each other uh, overhead. Belly-to-belly suplex, awesome stuff here. Uh, then Ocon eventually gets the advantage. He hits the Tenzon-style tombstone driver. And then um, Coglin popped up from that after the near fall. And then uh, Ocon hit the Eliminator right after that, bouncing Coglin off the mat. One, two, three. Ocon gets a good win here. Uh, really good match. I think Ocon really needed a, a strong performance like that. Um, you know, he still is. He is the provisional KOPW 2024 champion. And apparently he has big plans for that title uh, this year. Uh, he has a new little grand little preamble entrance um, for his music and video. So it seems like we might be finally getting that Ocon push that we uh been hearing about for years or there seems to be a focus to do with him uh but good stuff here Coglin looked well great as well so fun matchup there um and then uh post uh after that match we had the absolute banger of a match with Gabe Kidd and Hanare fighting to a 20 minute actually wasn't a time limit draw it was a Double knockout. They could not answer the the count of the referee. Uh, but man, you know, you know, in AEW, you know, right now there's the whole thing of restore the feeling. Well, Gabe Kidd and Hanare came out here and said, We want to restore the feeling for New Japan Pro Wrestling. We want to show people what strong style is about. We want to show people 
what fighting spirit is about. And that's what we got here. Man, this absolute barn burner. These guys from the opening bell, like Gabe Kid comes out first, followed by Hanare. And the ring announcer doesn't even get a chance to do uh, Hanare's, you know, ring call. Uh, as soon as Hanare gets in the ring, takes the jacket off, and they're running it. Uh, big layered exchanges from there. Uh, then they're exchanging chops. They uh, go to the outside, and they're they're brawling on the outside. And then uh, you know they end up brawling all the way up in the stands and in uh, Cork and Hall. Crowds going crazy. Uh, Hanara he tries to do the the rampage, which is the that running kind of rugby pickup tackle spear thing that he does. He tried doing that um, in the crowd, and Cade uh, was able to blow, uh, reverse it. Hits a big knee, and then Kid goes to the top of the uh, the the stairs in Cork and Hall. Looks like he's going to do a big crossbody. Jumps up, boom! Hanare catches them right in the kisser. Big uh, right hand as he was coming down. Uh, so great stuff there, brawling all throughout the crowd. Eventually. You know that they get back in the ring, and these guys they're they're trading big chops and kicks, and uh, kids trying to lay the fire in with the chops, and then uh, Hanare, you know, he has that Muay Thai style background. He's you know killing um, kid with these big old kicks to the chest, just gruesome stuff, man. Like these these kicks were echoing echoing out throughout uh, Cork and Hall crowd, ooing and awing, and these guys are just. You know, they're, they're taking turns, they're showing their fighting spirit, um, trying to one-up each other with these uh, big strikes. You know, at one point, they're in the corner, they're exchanging the chops and the kicks, and from there, again, they're, they're throwing uh, big lariats out. Uh, Hanare comes out with a spinning back fist. Gabe Kidd hits a, a nasty-looking brain buster. Hanare pops back up with a Death Valley driver. Um, and they're both down um, early in the match. Before that, we did get a tease of um, a double count out uh, where they couldn't answer the, the count of the ref. But Hanare grabbed Marty Asami's hand. It was like, nah, and they, they kept running it from there. But then eventually, um, you know, they're back up and they're throwing bombs at each other. And um, there's a big headbutt there. And both men go down. Ref counts to dead to ten, and neither man could respond, and we get a uh, ten uh, count double KO draw. And man, this was just an absolutely incredible, incredible matchup. If you have not watched this match, you need to go out of your way and watch this matchup. It's uh, really, really good stuff. Uh, I had lots of questions here from it. Uh, first, here from Rambo and Slam Pig. He says, Hanare versus Gabe Kidd has to be an early contender for strong style fight of the year. I realize the future of each of them is up in the air right now. Do you have any thoughts on what comes next for each? I assume a rematch on a bigger stage given the finish. But after that, are either possible contenders for a mid-car title run in the near future? Uh, Yeah, I, I think both these guys are great and especially after a match like that. I, ho- I hope, you know, New Japan office, Bushi Road, I hope uh, Tanahashi, Gato, whoever's, you know, watching and booking these shows, I, I hope that they are uh, paying attention to this and seeing the, the absolutely great stuff that these guys did here. And uh, 
the great matches that they can have and just the presence that they bring, uh, the intensity they bring to matches. And so uh, as far as what's next for them, also we know in the the short term what's next for them. They're, they're going to be in this uh, five-on-five war game style cage match coming up this Sunday. But following the, the cage match, um, we've got New Japan Cup coming up in March. So, I mean, if I'm New Japan, if I'm booking this thing, I find a way to uh, get Kid and Hinare in New Japan Cup. Knowing them, they will probably book it as a first-round matchup, which is fine. Get a, get a banger in the first round. But I think there are two guys that you should push them, whether they're on the same bra- side of the bracket or not, I will have them go far in the tournament and meet later. Make it like get them down to like you know final eight, final four kind of scenario. Either they're on the same bracket, you get them down to that uh, you know final uh, four side or final eight, or you you have them uh, potentially. I, mean, I doubt they would both get to the finals, but there's things there's things you can do to make it work out. Get them in the New Japan Cup and have them have a series. I would after this, I would definitely have them have a series. I have them wrestle. Uh, New Japan Cup, I would have them wrestle uh, G1 Climax, put them in the same block. There's so much great stuff you can do with these guys this year and have that really hard-hitting rivalry. As far as titles, um, yeah, I think both these guys are overdue for singles title runs, especially Hanare. This is a guy that's been here uh, pretty much since we've been doing this show. You know, when we started doing the show, he was Young Lion, uh, Toa Hanare, uh, having that Intense rivalry with Tomohiro Ishii, and he's been having bangers since then. So, I think that Hanare is definitely a guy that you you can put the Never title on. You could potentially at some point put the the Global title on him. And same thing for Gabe Kid. Gabe Kid's the man, and yeah, both these guys I think deserve to get titles this year and be elevated. Up the card. Um, I mean, this match was a, a you know a never style matchup. I, I wish that Umino could have been going after the global title, and then somehow you shoehorn the never title picture into Hanare and Gabe Kid because these guys this is this is what you want to see when you see a never title match. Is the stuff that they did here in this matchup. Uh, next question here from Def Triangle Seven Twenty. He says, after seeing the Hanare versus Kid match, do you think Gato is on a watch list if he fumbles with either guy after those star-making performances? Well, I think Gato's on a, a watch list uh, regardless. Um, he, he's got to get guys over. There's, there's a lot of things that he has to do to really uh, help heat up New Japan, but especially yeah, after this matchup here, uh, I, I would be... Asking some questions, uh, you know, why aren't we pushing Hanare? Why aren't we pushing Gabe Kidd? Why aren't we getting the Never title on them? Why aren't they going far in a New Japan Cup, a G1 Climax? Uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of questions for Gato this year. Uh, next question here from the French Ted. It says, Gabe Kidd has to be the next BC leader after Finley is slowly turned on by his dogs. How do you see that being played out? Well, we saw the post-match promos um, last week where Dave Finley was talking trash and Gabe Kidd was trying to, you know, jump in and 
uh, Finley shut him down and Gabe Kidd did not uh, take kindly to that. So uh, they, did, they did, you know, drop some seeds of dissension. You know, since then, I really haven't seen anything. I haven't watched all the, the backstage uh, comments from these weekend shows, but I so they could have be teasing stuff backstage, but I haven't um, seen those yet. So potentially we could see a, an issue in the war games. You know, there's going to be it's going to be five on five. All those guys are going to be out there. There could be a miscommunication between Finley and Kid. You could have a kid trying to be the one calling the shots in the cage, and then Finley is like, no, 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 we're running my game plan. So I think you could um, continue to sow seeds of dissension. Or if you're looking to do a, a quick turn, I guess you, you could do it in the cage match where kids had enough of Finley and leaves them high and dry, and then War Dogs are down four to five, and United Empire get the advantage. Uh, that, that's one way you can do it. Um, the weird, the hard thing though with them turning is Finley. He has a, a global title match coming up in uh, Sapporo, defending against. Nick Nemeth, the former Dolph Ziggler. So clearly, Finley is still going to be positioned as a heel. And I would think that you would still have the War Dog units as a heel as well. Um, so I'm not quite sure like how that turn shakes out right now. Um, I, I don't know if they it's, they should pull it right now. I think maybe they should kind of continue to sow a little bit more seeds and then pull the turn later. Um, and then maybe you can turn... Finley face off of that, or maybe Finley leaves the company, is going to leave and go to WWE and, you know, join his, his dad like his dad wants, and you could have those guys uh, beat him out of the company. Um, so we'll see what they do here, but I definitely think um, there is potential to have Gabe Kidd be the leader and, you know, all the rest of the War Dogs, they're, they're LA dojo guys for, with the exception of uh, Drilla Maloney. Um, so, you know, Gabe Kidd, Connors, Coughlin, they all have a really tight connection and tight bond and then drill is kind of fit in with them. So you could have those guys. I think they would be a really cool unit without Finley kind of get them out away from the rest of the bull club and kind of have them do their own thing. Uh, that could be really cool. Uh, next question here from the discord. Daddy MJ says Gabe and Hanare heart and spirit of NJPW who is, is the heart and who is spirit man mj you're, you're not giving me the uh easy questions here this week yeah i i don't know how to, to answer that one i think that in this match they both displayed the, the heart and spirit of new japan pro wrestling it is the kind of action that we all came here for it's the reason why we love new japan you know hard hitting um athletic Matches like that where two guys are just trying to fight to prove who is the better man, who is the the guy who has the uh, stronger fighting spirit. Uh, and then last question from this match from Cozy Dr. Lariat. He says, I think Hanare can easily fill the hole Tama created. No pause. How do you guys feel about Hanare hopefully finally stepping up? Like I said earlier, yeah, Hanare has been a guy who's been here for a while. He's done his dues. He went through the Nogay Dojo. Um, he didn't get like a full excursion, but he, you know, he came back and he's been grinding um, throughout. You know, doing the pre, you know, Toa Hanare stuff, and then joining United Empire and um, kind of transitioning to what he is right now, the face of Fury. 
I definitely think he's a guy that, you know, they're, they're sleeping on. And my fear with Hanare is that they have pigeonholed him into kind of this lower mid-card spot and they don't want to elevate him because he has been around for a while and, you know, they've beaten him a lot. Um, and so maybe they feel like he, he's not somebody they could quote unquote rehab and push higher up the card. And I know some Western fans might kind of view him as that kind of lower mid card guy. But I think that especially with all these foreigners leaving Okada leaving, like there are guys that you need to elevate. And I don't think that uh, he's too far gone where they can't elevate him. Like I don't think he's going to be uh, the world champion or anything, but he's a guy that you can put the never title on. You can put the global title on him. You can get him um, in a tag tile situation. You could have him win KOPW and do something similar like Shingo was doing and having more kind of serious, hard-hitting matchups. So there's a lot of stuff you can do with Hanare, and I think he's a guy that you need to utilize and uh, move up the card this year. So then uh, following that matchup, we had David Finley defeating the Prince of Pace, Callum Newman, 10 minutes and 27 seconds. So obviously, uh, Threatless Tour, Will Ospreay has not been on this uh, Road to New Beginning Tour, but he will be there Sunday in Osaka for the cage match. So taking his place on this tour has been his protege, Callum Newman, uh, coming from RevPro, who's been training in the Nogue Dojo, who's been a part of United Empire the last few months and has pretty much been on every tour the last uh, few months and has looked great, has put on a lot of size, and uh, really lives up to that name, the Prince of Pace. But, uh, you know, he was in here with David Finley and uh, started the matchup. Callum um, attacked uh, Finley, and they're, they're brawling on the floor. Uh, Finley gets back control by throwing him into uh, the guardrail. Um and they're going back and forth from there. Uh, mid-match, uh, Callum hits a Spanish fly. Um, hits a great Tiger suplex for a near fall. Then uh, Finley would eventually come back. He's hitting uh, the big uh, cross-face blows. He's talking smack. He's calling out Osprey. He hits the uh, the big release power bombs. You know, at one point he was doing those series of power bombs. Um, to kind of take people out. That's what he did to uh, Tana Tonga in the middle of last year. It was over and over and over again with the power bombs. But only uh, one power bomb here for a near fall. Um, and then, uh, well, he pulled he, he pulled Callum Newman up um, after he hit the power bomb. Clearly, Callum was uh, knocked out here. Don't know why. Mari didn't stop the match, uh, but yeah, he hits the power bomb. He pulls Newman up by the by the hair. And then he hits um, a, a new kind of version of his uh, finisher where he lifts him up, vertical suplex, and then he did uh, a knee strike on the way down. Uh, I think he calls it the the cross strike, I believe is what he calls it. Um, so he hits that and uh, gets the win over Cal Newman and continues to talk smack to, to Will Ospreay, you know, being like, this is, your, this is your boy, Will. Where are you at, Will? Uh, you know, you, you guys, you have no chance in the cage. And so uh, pushing Finley here, taking out Osprey's protege and Callum Newman and marching forward towards the five on five cage match. Question here from Def Triangle 720. 
says, what's your thoughts on Finley as champion so far in 2024? Um, I, I think he's been fine so far. I mean, he hasn't had any title defenses. I mean, he's kind of been doing what he's been doing this whole time. Um, I think we're really going to see what his title reign is going to look like once he um, gets in there with Nick Nemeth. Like, is that going to be something where uh, he drops the title to uh, Nick Nemeth? Uh, or, um, yeah, is he going to have a long title reign? I guess we'll have to wait and see. But as of right now, there's not really much to judge. Um, I mean, he won the title and hasn't defended it yet. Next question here from MJ. He says, is the global championship just going to be the defendant against an import title? How would you book this title and what should it be known for? Um, I think I would book this title the same way. I mean, they were booking the the old white strap, the the, the old intercontinental title. I think the, the goal of a title like this is you, you I think they, you want to elevate it to a point to where it can main event uh, a big show on one of these tours. And so I think that you need to have the global title be a, a, its own draw and get to the point where, all right, yeah, you, you could main event a new beginning in Sapporo with it. You can main event, um, you know, a, a destruction in Kobe with it. Um, and so they have to elevate it to that point. That's what I would do with it. Um, as far as it going to be like the, you know, fight the import title, I mean, maybe. Um, I And I don't know, because like their whole explanation, it was, you know, the world champion, so Sonata, or excuse me, Naito now, the, the IWGP world champion, uh, the, the world comes to fight the world champion, but then the global champion goes out to fight the world. So you would think that, based off of their explanation, that Finley would be going out and defending the title uh, outside of New Japan against other people, but uh, Nick Neff is coming in, so you have people coming in to face the global and world champion, so kind of dumb, but whatever. Um, I I think that eventually, I mean, I don't think it's always going to be against uh, a new foreigner, but I think that you probably will see that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if eventually like Matt Riddle gets a, a championship match, depending how his match goes with Tanahashi. Um, so, but I think that they will at least hopefully try to elevate to a status of, all right, this is a title that can main event a big show and it's uh, and make it a prestigious title. So then uh, following that, we had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team title main event, the Bullet Club War Dogs, Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney. They defeated Catch 2-2, Francesco Akira and TJP to once again become the IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions. And a uh, really good matchup here. I, I like this matchup better than their wrestling the match, just because, you know, we didn't have the whole um, full-out uh, Oz Wong thing. TJP still had the, you know, the red eye contact. He's still spitting out mist in his matches, which, whatever, that's fine. As long as he's not wearing, you know, the... Uh, Halloween store mask and crawling around like he's a deranged creature. Uh, I'm I'm good. With, he, he can keep the, the contacts in the mist. That's fine. Uh, but you know these guys came out here. Uh, they all brawled as soon as the bell went out. 
and then from there they they were brawling on the outside and they pulled out a uh, table from the ring and uh Connors ends up uh spearing Akira on it but of course it is the strong style Japanese table so it did not break uh but the thing with that spot too is uh cuz initially it was TJP who brought the table out and we've seen that um Akira has been very hesitant after getting jabbed in the fork a couple of weeks ago and he wants no part of this whole cage match this whole war against the war dogs he just wants to win the titles and wrestle he doesn't want to be in, in a hardcore match a cage match he doesn't want to you know wrestle that style and so he was very kind of hesitant when tjp brought the table out and they were trying to put uh clark through it and that all backfired and he ended up uh getting speared on it and then uh Drilla came out he he uh, put his boot through the table and then they uh once again threw akira to the table from there so they were uh, working over TJP uh, until Akira was able to uh, get back in and um, got some high-flying offense from them, taking out both of the War Dogs. Uh, Connors hit a, a nasty uh, Jeep flip, which is his, his version of the pounce on Akira, sent him flying out the ring. Uh, eventually, TJP gets back in, and he's flying all over the place, hitting uh, Topes. Um, then uh, TJP hits a super kick on Connors. Uh, but then eventually Connors uh, comes back. He hits Akira um, with a power slam, and then they hit their um, high low on uh, TJP for a near fall. But Connors or Akira makes a save, and then Connors accidentally spears uh, Drilla Maloney. It seems like uh, Catch Two Two was going to get the win here. Um, they go for their knee uh, knee, uh, but Drilla makes a save. And then back in here uh, towards the end, got a nice little back and forth uh, between both teams. Catch 2-2 hitting their uh, double team X-Factor for a near fall. And uh, eventually Connor comes back, hits his uh, no chaser. And um, Catch 2-2, they come back and they're trying to hit. They're trying to hit the uh, the full clip on the Bull Club War Dogs, but um, it backfired on them. They also, at one point, Drilla pulled the uh, fork out. Uh, which distracted Akira and got him spooked. And so he was kind of frozen on the apron and they were able to hit the, uh, the double team combo on TJP, knocked Akira off the apron, hit the full clip and one, two, three, the bullet club war dogs regain the championships. And then these guys are continuing to beat down, um, TJP and Akira Finley runs out um, and there's some of the other war dogs and there's they're being down you had Empire um, injured Jeff Cobb tries to make the save uh, Ocon tries to make the save but Finley has a shillelagh uh, he hits Cobb in the, the injured leg he knocks out Ocon they're beating all those guys down um, and we end uh, February 4th with the Bullet Club war dogs um, being on top and getting the momentum going into the next night. So let's see a few questions here. Uh, first from Rambo and Slam Pig. Uh, he says, Drilla Maloney's arm looks pretty messed up. Any thoughts on how his injury may affect booking with regard to the junior tag belts and the United Empire versus War Dogs feud, etc. So yeah, uh, in this matchup, 
Drilla, his arm was uh, all taped up and bandaged up. Apparently, he has a torn bicep. And in the post-match promos, he uh, pulled off the, the tape and the, the elbow pad and shows the bicep and says that, you know, he tore the bicep off the bone. Um, so, obviously not a uh, great injury to have torn bicep. And, yeah, he's going into the the War Games match the, the Sunday um, so yeah, clearly I think he'll probably be protected. I mean, he, he wrestled fine here in the, the tag title match. So I, I don't know how bad the bicep tear is. Um, it's something he clearly can still compete with, but I don't know if you want to do that for too long without either letting it heal or doing some kind of surgery. Again, I, I'm not a doctor. Um, they have their own doctors. So hopefully they, they are advising him and they care about his health first. Um, so yeah, it might be a situation where he might be uh, pulling a, a Royal Rumble where a guy's just kind of sitting around grabbing a rope. Maybe he's just going to be getting stomped on uh, at some point in the match because he can't do much. But he competed here fine in this match. Um, so we'll see what the status of his injury um, is going into the cage match. And uh, my guess, again, not a doctor, but I, I know that torn biceps are usually a, a faster kind of comeback, and depending on how bad the tear is, so uh, maybe he can get through the the five on five cage and then uh, kind of lay low until it's fully healed. Uh, we we have after Osaka, we have Fantastic Mania, then we move into New Beginning and Sapporo. I have to look and see if he's on the Sapporo cards, and then uh, there's New Japan Cup. He's probably not going to be in Japan Cup. So potentially he could get a nice little break and just kind of come back in April and hopefully the bicep would be healed by then. Uh, another question here from Rambos. He says, the February uh, 4th Corkin Road 2 show has to be among the best Road 2 shows in recent years. Can you think of any others that had multiple high-level matches like the back half of today's card? Uh, I mean, I would have to go back and look and pull up the, the cage match, look in the, the Keeping It Strong Style archive to uh, remember some of these things. But uh, in a recent time, this is definitely one of the, the best uh, Row 2 shows. I mean, I know a lot of people are, you know, talking about the, the Row 2, what was that, Sakura Genesis, where uh Hanare and Chingo had the um the ultimate triad match. Um I don't that match obviously was incredible, but I don't remember the rest of the card being uh super high end. But uh like this show, yeah, you know, after all the multi man stuff is done, uh really great stuff here. Um packed, sold out Cork and Hall house and um this United Empire and Bull Club War Dog feud is super heated. And there's a ton of heat, crowds into it, um, a lot of great story elements. And, yeah, this was definitely uh, a great show to watch, definitely better than some of the other Road 2 shows on this tour. And, you know, um, as of, you know, right now, February 5th, I mean, this could be a, a show of the year contender as of right now. Uh, next question here from Def Triangle 720 what do you think is next for the junior tag belts? Well, as far as uh, design, we did see they, they brought back out the Bullet Club uh, War Dog white strap version of the titles that they 
brought out at the Wrestle Kingdom 18 press conference. So they they brought back the white straps. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of what happens next uh, depends on Drilla's bicep injury. Like I said, if it's something where he can get through the cage and then kind of lay low, then I think that you know you load up the next team for those guys and maybe you keep it on them. I mean, there's a, a bunch of junior teams that they can uh, throw out there. Um, you know, Teton will be coming in for Fantastic Mania. You could have Teton stick around. You could do Teton and Bushi against those guys. You could do Bushi and Hiromu. You can do Teton and Hiromu. That would be kind of a... Uh, cool combos. So there's a lot of LIJ teams that you could do there. Uh, Musashi's coming in uh, for Fantastica Mania, and he he's probably going to stick around. You can bring uh, Musashi and Yo in to face those guys. Um, our good friend Robbie Eagles, you know, get him on the plane. Uh, have him and Ichiban Sweet Boy Kosei Fujita uh, team up to to face uh, the the Bullet Club War Dogs. So. There are a lot of options. Also, um, intergalactic jet setters. Uh, you know, we haven't seen those guys since Super Junior Tag League. They've been doing a lot of stuff in Impact, and we know that Kushida is uh, signed full time to Impact now, uh, but will still be working in New Japan dates. So I gotta imagine at some point that you you bring the jet setters back in, and you could have uh, Kevin Knight and. Kushida challenge those guys. We know there's history there as well. Um, and also there's history with Kevin Knight and those LA Dojo guys. And who knows, maybe they will try to get him to uh, join the dark side and uh, join the rest of the LA Dojo graduates and become a war dog. And then last question here on this uh, matchup from Nabeth in the Discord says, how much of a sicko is Drilla Maloney for wrestling with a torn bicep? Uh, well, you know, a, a lot of wrestlers, that's an injury that you hear about that guys do wrestle through. Uh, but yeah, Drill is the man, dude. This guy is jacked. That Drill Killer pile driver is awesome. And he's a guy that just doesn't want bubble tea. He he, he wants beer. <laughs> uh, so Drill is the man. And, yeah, I mean, I thought he looked good uh, in the tag match. And yeah, hopefully the, the torn bicep isn't too bad and he won't be out. Uh, for too long all right let's uh move on now to the second night here of road to new beginning which was this morning february 5th also in cork and hall uh show opened up we had the young lions uh katsuya murashima and shoma kato they wrestled to a 10 minute time limit draw i really don't have much to say with these guys still kind of learning these guys and kind of seeing where they're at. Um, you know, nothing crazy here. Your, your typical young lion, 10 minute draw. Somebody almost has a win time runs out. So obviously they're continuing to tell the story of these guys trying to one up each other. And so like every kind of young lion class, these guys will be paired off and we will see these guys continue to fight um, until they go on excursion. So then uh, following that, we had the Bullet Club team of Chase, Kenta, and Ishimori defeating the GOT, G.O.D. team of El Phantasmo, Hikaleo, and Jado. So once again, just continuing that uh, tag team uh, title feud here and uh, Bullet Club once again getting the better of the G.O.D. team. 
Then following that, we had L Desperado, Oleg Bolton, Shota Umino, Tomioka Hanuma, and Yo defeating Evil, Red Narita, Sho, Kanamaru, and Yujiro from the House of Torture. So uh, Umino here got getting uh, some comeuppance here on the House of Torture guys and picking up a, a big win leading into that never open way title match. And of course, again, there was interactions with Despy and Sho also building up to that matchup. Then uh, following that, we had the TMDK team of Kosei Vegeta, Mikey Nichols, Shane Hanks, and Zack Sabre Jr. defeating the Chaos team of Ishii and Yano teaming up with Tanahashi and Togi Makabe. Uh, Zack Sabre tapping out Togi Makabe here. So Sabre has just been on a roll, tapping folks out in the build to facing the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. And then, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Vegeta, Nichols, Hayes, they want to get back in contention for the never open weight six man tag team titles. So then, uh, following that, we had the United Empire team of Cal Newman, Francisco Akira, Hanare, and TJP defeating the Bullet Club War Dogs by disqualification at one minute and 11 seconds. So, wasn't much of a match here. Essentially, this was more of an angle. Uh, like pretty much all their matches, they came out here and they started running it from the get go. Um, wild, crazy brawl. Connors, uh, I believe he threw a table. Ref threw it out immediately. Then Connors kills Marty Asami with this big spear. And then the War Dogs, they uh, beat down United Empire. Um, and United Empire was down. I mean, because Cobb. He's out with the injury. They kept um, Hanare off the card. Gabe, Ken, and Hanare were off the show um, due to the wild brawl, the wild match they had the night before. Callum Newman was, uh, you know, beat down by David Finley the night before. So, United Empire uh, didn't have uh, a lot of numbers here, and they were all kind of beaten down as well. Um so yeah, so the uh, War Dog team they they got the win and uh, left the United Empire team laying once again. So Bullet Club War Dogs are rolling in with all the momentum going into the cage match, and then um, the main event we had the faction warfare gauntlet match where Los Ingobernables de Japón. They defeated the Just Five Guys team. And like I mentioned, this was the the faction uh, warfare gauntlet match. So how this match worked, you had uh, one member from each faction starting the match. Each uh, match, little mini match in the gauntlet would be 10 minutes or the 10 minute time limit. And then if that went to a draw, both guys would be eliminated. And then you would bring out the next two guys from the factions, or if one guy pinned that guy, the guy that got pins out, and then you bring in another guy from his faction, and the other guy stays in. So kind of a little mix of, you know, uh, King of the Hill kind of style uh, matchup as a far, and a, a gauntlet match. So very unique style of matchup here. Apparently they haven't really done this kind of style of gauntlet since uh, the, the mid-80s in a big tag match there. Um, so bringing this format back in. Uh, kind of interesting format here, and um, they ended up starting the match off with um, Tetsuya Naito and 
Sonata. So you, I think most people would expect, you know, the, the bigger, you know, the leaders and main adventures to be the last two guys, but they were the first two guys out here and they wrestled to the 10 minute time limit. And I thought what they were, what they did was pretty good. I know I'm not always excited about Sonata and Naito mixing it up, but um, in this kind of 10 minutes, it was almost a sprint and they were kind of going back and forth trying to hit their big moves and, there was near countouts, uh, a lot of countering between the Destino and the Deadfall. Um, towards the last few seconds, Sonata was trying to get a uh, O'Connor roll, but then time expired. Neither guy could get the better of each other. So, ten minute time limit draw. Both these guys um, got eliminated. So then, just five guys. They send out Taka Michinoku, and uh, unfortunately for Taka, Lij sent out Shingo Takagi. <laughs> Uh, so they came out here, but Tacos, you know, he didn't back down. He attacked the knee of uh, Shingo, and uh, he almost got a near count out on Shingo, and he was uh, outsmarting using his legendary tactics to um, get the better of Shingo. But um, then eventually Shingo had enough. It's a uh, big pumping bomber power bomb into the Takagi style STF, and he submitted Taka. So then, of course, uh, just five guys, they send out Taichi. So we know that Taichi and Shingo have been feuding. These guys are going to face off uh, New Beginning in Sapporo. So the, the out comes Taichi. So then these guys are going uh, back and forth and having a hard-hitting matchup. Um, towards the end of the time limit, Taichi hits a big Gamangiri, but then time runs out. Um, so both Taichi and Shingo are eliminated. So then um, LIJ sends out Bushi and Just Five Guys sends out Doki. So uh, they go um, back and forth until um, Doki is able to uh, do the Jorge Rivera special and uh, keep Bushi down for the three count. Uh, then following that, LIJ sends out Hiromu Takahashi who... We'll be facing um, Doki on the New Beginnings of Portal Night 2 show. And as I mentioned earlier, Doki has kind of uh, been humiliating uh, Hiromu, getting the better of him, uh, pinning him last week. And so these guys are going back and forth here. And once again, um, Doki's trying to pin Hiromu, and they're going back and forth. And the time elapses, uh, so they're both eliminated, but... Before they leave the ring, um, Doki is still going. He does do the uh, Jorge Rivera special to um, Hiromu. And even though the time expired, he was able to keep Hiromu down for three seconds. So another visual pinfall for Doki over Hiromu. Um, so both of those guys got limited there. So that left the last two guys from each side, uh, Yuya Uemura and Yota Suji. And, you know, this feud's been really heating up. And, you know, Russell Kingdom, uh, Uamora was able to defeat Suji, uh, his uh, first uh, big pinfall win there over him. And then um, previous night, February 4th, he taps uh, Suji out. And so, yeah, Suji, he's, he's heated. He's looking for revenge here. And they did, they did tease the similar spot where uh, Uamora goes for the Frankensteiner into the arm bar, but uh, Suji reversed it into a stack. Um, and then they're uh, going back and forth, and then eventually uh, Suji hits the Gene Blast Spear. 
And also with their, with their since they were the last two guys, that there was no time limit because they wanted there to be a winner. So them being the last two, they, they got to go a little bit longer without the constraint of the time limit. But yeah, Suji, it's the uh, the Gene Blast Spear finally gets a uh, win over Uemura. Um, then post match, yeah, they get on the mic. It's getting heated, and uh, Uemura uh, challenges Suji to a hair versus hair match at the New Beginning in Sapporo, February twenty fourth. And it seems like that is official. I think uh, Suji accepted the matchup. So, yeah, we're going to get a hair versus hair match uh, with two guys that have a great set of hair. It's uh, going to be really sad. Whoever loses, it's going to be uh, it's going to be sad. I don't know why you would book this. Both these guys have a great head of hair. I would not uh, want either of these guys <laughs> being shaved, but. Uh, somebody's gonna get their haircut. Come Sapporo, um, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm Team Suji on this one. Uh, I, I just think everything, the hair fits the aura. I, I, I can't, I can't picture that man bald. Um, I, I think Uemura could could bounce back without the uh, without the hair. Um, see, we had two questions here. First from uh, Wu Kong nine oh one. What did y'all think of? Yuya during the five on five on the first night thought the end result was interesting and the interaction with Naito afterwards even more so. Um, so yeah, so definitely a, a lot of spotlight on Yuya or Mora from uh, the February fourth show and yeah, post match he did um, kind of step over the title and um, kind of tease potentially maybe want to go after Naito in the future. So yeah, I thought both these guys. Uh, Uemura and Suji have gotten a lot of spotlight, and I, I like that with this second night with the gauntlet that they did make the focus about the rivalry between Suji and Uemura. Because I mean, yeah, they could have done the typical thing of ending the gauntlet with Sonata and Naito, and then end it with a draw and be that. But yeah, they did something different. They mixed it up. They went with the two young guys who got definitive winner, and it plays into their feud. So. I thought that was cool. So, yeah, Yuya has been looking really good as well as Suji. Then a question here from Naveth. He says, uh, why is NJPW doing so many gimmick matches? With the additional uh, the additional stipulation match added for 224, am I crazy for thinking they're doing a bit much lately? Um, It it does seem like there is an increase of uh, gimmick matches, but we've kind of seen an increase with them over the last couple of years due to uh KOPW happening and they might not be your, your traditional gimmick matches, but they are gimmick matches. So we have seen an increase with uh KOPW. And I think thing a thing to remember too is um as far as we know, Gato is still booking this stuff. And Gato is a big fan of uh you know Southern style Memphis wrestling uh, you know, big heated blow offs. You, you do a, a big cage. You do some kind of, you know, bloody match to blow off a feud. And um, Gato's a, a big style, that kind of Western Memphis style of booking. Um, and so I think for him, you know, you have to try some things different. You got to do uh, some things outside the box that you normally don't do, heat some things up. And I think the way that he's built the War Dogs versus United Empire for this match has been excellent the, the bill for this has been great this is going to be a, a feud of the year contender as of right now and 
yeah, I, I think that they've built it up to deserve to be in a cage match. You know, a lot of times in other promotions, you'll, you'll see a cage match just because it's a certain month. It's it's October, so we have to do a Hell in a Cell match at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view uh, because it's October, not because we've carefully built a feud, heated it up, and now it makes sense to put them in a, a giant cage structure. Um, and so Gato has done a great job here of the... The, the post-match attacks, pre-match attacks, the promos, the, the multi-man stuff, like everything that they've done with the War Dogs and United Empire deserves to be in that War Games cage match because this is a heated, hated blood feud. You know, Osprey's leaving the territory. This is, this is a great blow-off match to end this feud. As far as the hair versus hair for Suji and Uemura, again, that's something that's been built. Um, those guys, These guys have been going back and forth, and a lot of the build... To the Wrestle Kingdom match was these guys saying that they're copying each other with the hair and the colors, and they did they had already teased hair versus hair um, leading into Wrestle Kingdom. So again, they've established that this is a heated feud now uh, between these guys, and again, a heated personal feud going after the hair, something that both guys uh, really like like about their features, and so um, makes a ton of sense to do the hair versus hair match and. These are big shows, and so adding some more stakes to them, it, I don't have a problem with that. Um, my issue would have been had they, if they had not built these up to be in a stipulation, had the War Dogs and UE just kind of had your run of the mill faction versus faction match, and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to you know, throw these in a, a cage match. I'd be like, why? And same thing with, with uh, Uemura and uh, Suji. Had they not mentioned hair versus hair, had this not been as heated as, as it becomes, was like, all right, why are we just throwing a match out here? So I feel like with these, uh, Gale's done a great job booking them, building the heat, and the stipulation fits the feud. Uh, but it will be interesting to see, yeah, going forward, will we see more of this? Will Gale start building more feuds to lead into bigger blow-off stipulation matches? So that is uh, my review of the new beginning. That was February 4th and 5th, Cork and Hall. Make sure if you have not watched it yet, go out of your way to watch Hanare and Gabe Kidd from the February 4th show. Really great stuff. Um, the February 5th show is up for free on NJPW World. So if you are not a world subscriber, you can at least check out the fifth show for free, but if I'm you, uh, you should drop the 9.99 yen to make sure you can watch uh, Gabe Kid versus Hanare. So now I'm going to transition into uh, previewing the new beginning in Osaka. Uh, so new beginning in Osaka will be coming up here. Osaka Joe Hall, pretty big card here. So, uh, opening up the show, we will have uh, Boyle Oten and Rizuke Taguchi taking on Toro Yano and Yo. So, just kind of opening match there. Nothing special about that one. Then, following that, we'll have Bishamon, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi taking on the United Empire team of Callum Newman and Great Okan. So, two of the guys that are not involved in the 5-on-5 cage. Again, we have to keep our eyes out on the Jeff Cobb injury uh, because if that hamstring injury is more serious and he doesn't get cleared, 
you would think that they would pull Ocon from this match, and then we would probably get a Callum Newman singles match against one of the Bishamon guys. But as of now, it will be Bishamon versus uh, Newman and Ocon. I think this will be a, a great kind of uh, rebound match for Bishamon um, from losing the tag team titles. And so um, I'm guessing that Bishamon would get the win here. You can heat them up and then potentially do a rematch with them and ELP and Hikaleo down the line. Then following that, we will have El Desperado, Shota Umino, Tiger Mask, and Tomi Okahanma taking on House of Torture, Evil, Renderita, Show, and Nudro Takahashi. So continuing to build the Umino Evil match and the Despi Show match. Um, don't think the winner really matters here. There will be some kind of ant- antics and they will do something to continue to build up heat between both these teams. Then following that, we will have LIJ, Bushi, Hiromu, Shingo, Naito, and Suji taking on all of just five guys. So continuing to uh, heat those guys up for their spotlight moment, which will be coming the new beginning in Sapporo night two, where all those guys will be facing off in uh, big singles matches. So then following that, we will have one of Kazuchika Okada's last match in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he'll be facing his longtime rival, the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi, the NJPW World Television Champion and uh, president of NJPW. Um, so we know that the history between these guys, uh, a epic legendary feud in New Japan, one of the feuds that uh, really elevated uh, New Japan to the, the next level, exactly uh, 12 years to the day, same building that the their first match, you know, the, the match known as the Rainmaker Shock, where Okada he's, comes back from excursion, he's this young kid. And he he beats the ace. He beats Tanahashi and, and wins the IWGP heavyweight title. So that was a really big historic moment. And that's something that catapulted Okada into the main event scene and kicked off this rivalry that would um, kind of be the foundation for New Japan for the quote-unquote kind of golden age, kind of this peak of uh, New Japan pro wrestling. So... Going to be obviously a, a very good matchup. There's never there's never a bad Tanahashi Okada match. You know I got to see these guys mix it up um, live in Dallas in 2019 for the G1 Climax, um, and that was a super great match to watch live. Um, I mean, clearly Tanahashi has uh, lost a step even since then. Um, so again, they don't expect this to be. You know, one of the best of their series. Uh, I don't, I don't expect a five star match here, but these guys know each other so well, and Tanahashi has done a great job. I think kind of covering up for uh, some of the things he can't do anymore, and he's kind of laid more into the more grappling than uh, some of the more high flying stuff that he does. So I think they'll they'll have a, a really good match. I think it'll 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 hit the notebook and. Uh, there there won't be a dry eye in the room. I think this is going to be a very emotional matchup. I hope they show some kind of video package or have some kind of make it make it special. And I know that there are people who have hard feelings about Okada leaving and they don't want him to get any kind of special treatment. And it's like 
they just want to get him out the door. And uh, I, I understand if you're you're upset he that he's leaving, that's on you. But you know, it's still it's Okada. Um, you know, he's done so much for that company, and um, I, I think it'd be cool to kind of make his last few nights special. And I mean, there's so obviously so much history and and footage and promos that they could do for the Tanahashi match that um, you can make make a really cool video package. So hopefully there's a really cool VTR they make for this matchup. And, um, you know, interesting what the result will be here. I, I think I'll see with Okada not leaving at this, if this match was scheduled, I think we'd all just assume that Okada is going to win. Um, but also he's on the way out. Tanahashi is a president. He is the TV champion. He has a TV title match coming up against uh, Matt Riddle. So do you want to beat the TV champ um, and for a guy that's leaving the promotion? I don't know. Um, but even with all that, I do find it hard. Like, and we talked about this last week. I don't think that they're going to the job of Okada out. Uh, hold on here. A swig of water here for the, for the solo man. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. So yeah, so I I don't think that they're going to uh, leave um, Okada. They're gonna have him jobbing out, you know, on on the way out. I think that he's probably gonna end up winning his last three matches, and there'll be kind of more special, sentimental stuff. And at this point, like I don't like Tanahashi beating Okada doesn't doesn't seem right. Like, what would be the point? Uh, I just I don't know. I, I think that Okada is going to win here. It'll be a really fun match. It'll be an emotional match and uh, be a great way to give um, Okada a big last match in Osaka and get him ready for Sapporo. You know, as of this recording, we don't know what his uh, last two matches in Sapporo will be, but uh, I'm sure they'll be as special uh, as this one. Uh, like we mentioned, it'll probably be like a, a chaos gauntlet or something like that, but. This should be a really great matchup, and yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the Rainmaker getting the win here and having a nice uh, emotional moment. Then uh, following that, we will have the IWGP Tag Team Titles on the line as Girls of Destiny, El Fantasmo, and Hikaleo will defend against the Bullet Club team of Chase Owens and Kenta. I mean, it is what it is. I did not love their... Uh, strong tag team title match that they had earlier in the tour. And again, questioning why are we even doing this? I, th- I think the most frustrating thing about this matchup is this coming after, not too long after World Tag League, where we had so many cool teams in that tournament. It was, it was a really good World Tag League, and there's so many other teams that they have access to, yet they're choosing to go with... Kenta and Chase Owens and maybe this is you know you want to give these guys a, a first easy defense um uh, but I mean I mean there's there's monster sauce 
uh, there, there's TMDK, there's, you know, War Dogs. There's so many other teams that they, they highlighted in that World Tag League. And to go with Chase and Kenta just doesn't make seem to make sense. But, um, and again, too, I mean, they could pull a swerve here because uh, Hikaleo and GOP, GO, or Hikaleo and uh, ELP, they won the strong tag team defense and, uh, it seems that there you would you would think that they would beat Kenta and, and uh, Chase in the tag title offense here as well, but maybe this is a, a weird booking thing here, and these guys end up winning the titles um, when you least expect it. But I'm gonna go with uh, Hikaleo and ELP retaining the titles here, and hopefully moving on to something uh, a little bit more entertaining than uh, Chase and Kenta. Then following that, we will have the big rematch with the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, coming to Japan to take on the front man of TMDK, Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, these guys had an incredible match at Wrestle Dream a few months ago for AEW. It won our excursion match of the year in our year end awards. That's a really um, incredible match between those two guys. And so we know these guys have great chemistry. Um, you know, they've been doing their best to try to tell this story cross promotionally with Sabre wrestling guys like Tiger Mask and Noguchi and, and Makabe and tapping them all out. And uh, Danielson, you know, wrestling uh, Eugene Nagata and uh Hedgesero on a collision this past week. So wrestling some like technical strong style guys as well. And so these guys have really kind of been challenging themselves and getting ready for this uh, big matchup here in Osaka. And, uh, you know, again, very interesting on what the result could be here. Um, we know that Brian Danielson defeated Zack Sabre Jr. at Wrestle Dream. So you would think that, all right, maybe Sabre's going to get the win here. Uh, kind of like we saw with Danielson and Okada, with uh, Danielson beating Okada at Forbidden Door, and then Danielson coming into the Tokyo Dome and giving the win back to Okada. Uh, but the thing is, do you want to beat Brian Danielson twice in Japan? Uh, you know, he, losing the singles match to uh, Okada, or are you going to beat him again with Saber? I mean, personally, I think that's the the right booking call. Uh, to give Saber the win back, or I guess you could do a time limit draw and then do a third match at Forbidden Door three and have Saber get the win. But I think it's good for Saber to get the win in Japan um, and a very high, highly technical matchup. So uh, I'm gonna go with Zack Saber getting the win here, um, but I would not be surprised if. Danielson gets the win, and we have the story of Saber chasing Danielson, kind of similar to, you know, last year of Osprey chasing Kenny. Uh, so they could do something like that, but I think the better call would be to have Zack Saber get the win, and then you have um, Zack go uh, into March with a lot of momentum. Uh, I know Zack's won New Japan Cup twice now, but uh, I mean, He's a guy that could potentially win it again, have him win it a third time, and have him win the world title. 
Um, so I think a, a win here for Saber could do a lot for him and really help uh, catapult him into um, challenging for the world title very soon. And then the big main event for this card is going to be the 10-man steel cage tag team match with the United Empire versus the Bull Club War Dogs. So on the Empire side, we have Francesco Akira, Hanare, Jeff Cobb, TJP, and Will Ospreay in his last match for New Japan Pro Wrestling, taking on the Bullet Club War Dogs. That's Alex Coughlin, Claude Connors, Dave Finley, Drilla Maloney, and Gabe Kidd. Uh, and we did find out that this is going to be wrestled war game style. Dave Finley cutting that uh, post-match promo in the back, saying that you know it's going to start off one guy from the Empire, one guy from the War Dog, then two minutes uh, interval, a War Dog will come out so that the odds are against the United Empire, and then back and forth. So, uh, I'll see Finley, he was able to, um, Osprey gave him the ability to, to pick the stipulation and the rule, so uh, yeah, Finley, he picked the cage match, and now uh, he is established this will be war game rules, and We'll have the, the alternating, and obviously they did the correct way with having the, the heel team having the advantage over the baby faces. So um, we'll see who ends up starting out. I, I think Philly might have said he might be one starting, uh, but I'm not 100% sure. But we'll go back and forth there, and then I'll see um, War Dogs will have the advantage throughout the match. And again, another interesting match to book here uh, on who's going to win. This is uh, Will Ospreay's last match in New Japan, and you know a lot of people want to see him uh, eat a loss on on the way out, put somebody over. Um, but then there's also some elements with you know Akira. Is he going to be a hundred percent coming into this matchup? Is he going to be you know kind of cowarding away? You know we've seen that. Um, you know he 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 freaked out when they pulled the fork out during that tag title match and um he has seemed to be the weak link on the empire side uh so i think that's an, a situation there maybe he doesn't come out and then you he's down three to five or i guess four to five um he doesn't come out at all um or he leaves during a cage match something, something like that like there's, there's stuff you can do there he turns on them and then also too like we mentioned earlier uh, with Gabe Kidd and his comments, kind of issued Dave Finley. You could have Finley turn on the War Dogs, and then, or excuse me, you could have Gabe Kidd turn on Finley, and then they, they the War Dogs leave Finley high and dry, and then he gets you know the five on one beat down. UE wins, and you still kind of protect Finley by having him lose to five guys. Um, there's a lot of different interesting options that they could do here. And yeah, I'm having a hard time predicting this one, but because yeah, I mean the the War Dogs we just talked about, they had a, a ton of heat and momentum going into this matchup. It kind of feels like you know if you you follow like the the old school momentum uh, formula, usually when the heel has the momentum going into a big pay per view match, that means the baby is going to win. They're going to get their uh, comeuppance and we're gonna get the, the happy ending but the only thing here that you know the faces you know the top face uh will osprey on the in this match he, he's leaving the promotion um so it's, i guess it's, it's kind of similar to an okada situation do you want to 
celebrate this guy on his last night? Do you want to send him out on, on a high note? Or, yeah, do you want him to do the J-O-B, stare at the lights, put somebody over? Um, and, again, there are four other guys in here, so you don't necessarily have to beat Osprey. Also, any one of the Empire guys can take a pinfall or submission here. So you can have uh, you, you lose without pinning Osprey, but um, I don't know if you you want those guys losing. Uh, I, f- I kind of feel like they need something because the, the War Dogs have just run rampant over them um, these last few nights. And you have them with the, the junior tag titles, Finley with the global title, but also, too, another thing to consider, Finley has that global title match coming up, uh, defending against um, Nick Nemeth, former Dolph Ziggler. So I, I would think also you'd want him to have some momentum, but again, you could protect Finley either by doing the five-on-one or having one of the other War Dogs eat the the loss there. I'll see Drilla Baloney is another weak link there for the War Dogs, considering the torn bicep injury. So, I mean, there, there's so many factors at play, and I could see logical um, way for either team to win and it being fine. Um, but I, I'm going to go with United Empire getting the win here. I think they're going to end the show. On a good note, I think that, you know, Osprey, he's kind of been the odd man out on this story because he hasn't been on the tour. I think he's going to kind of come in and kind of be the big savior and we kind of have this one last hurrah with the United Empire and it'll be a good way to send Will Osprey out. Yeah, I had two questions here. Uh, first from Sir Sam, he says, I'm pumped for the Osaka show. Cage match looks awesome. Awesome. Has NJPW ever done a match like this before? Um, Sir Sam, uh, Josh uh, laid out a really cool thread on our Twitter account at Chaos Strong Style, um, listing out all the different cage matches that, that there's been in New Japan history. Um, I don't think they've done the five on five. I, I have to look back through the thread, but they have done cage matches before. They've been uh, very sparingly, um, but yeah, I'm excited too, and it's um, going to be a, a cool matchup. They, they've built it uh, really well, uh, so let's see here. I'm pulling up the uh, the cage match uh, history here, so um, the early precursor to the steel cage, there was the, the fence death match with uh, Antonio Inoki. Uh, defeating Tiger Jeet Singh for the NWF title. That was uh, February 10th, 1977. Then the first official cage, steel cage match, you have the Konami cage death match, which was uh, Takayama defeating Chono for the IWGP title. That was uh, August 28th, 2003. Then a second steel cage match, there was a Empty Arena KO only cage death match with Tanahashi over Murakami. That was March 28th, 04. Then after that, there was uh, Togi Makabe defeating uh, Sasaki in uh, NJPW Lockup. That was uh, May, let's see, was this May 2nd, or no, sorry, uh, February 4th, 2007. So that was a single steel cage there. 
And then the last uh, steel cage match was okay. So they did an, an eight man tag steel cage match, which was uh, the Great Bash heel team of Gato, Jado, Togi Makabe, and Ishii uh, over uh, Shadow WX, Takashi Sasaki, uh, Kentaro Kanemura, and Maso Orihara. And that was from NJPW Lock Up 14. January 13th, 2008. Um, so, yeah, so the last one they did was a eight on eight cage. I'm not sure if those were war games rules. I don't think they were. Um, so, yeah, so I think this is the first time that, yeah, New Japan is doing a, you know, big war game style cage. And we don't know exactly what the cage is going to look like. I think Charlton on commentary on these road two shows did. Speculate that it would be something big enough to kind of cover the outside, kind of like a hell in a cell style cage to kind of keep all these guys uh, confined away from the crowd and it'd be big enough for these guys to um, be able to do their match in the cage. So, yeah, I'm expecting it will get a really a bigger cage. I, I don't think we're doing two rings, um, but we're getting the, the war game style presentation and so yeah it should be awesome like i mentioned earlier this feud was really well built uh very heated blood feud deserving of this kind of matchup then uh last question here from uh, mj says after the cage match will akira be drinking beer or bubble tea uh well you know uh I think Akira he's gonna be sipping on that on that bubble tea whether he he wins or lose um Maybe it'll either be a uh, celebratory bubble tea if uh, UE can beat the War Dogs, or uh, you know if they lose, he'll be uh, you know in in defeat, laid up, sipping on that bubble tea. So all right, that that wraps up uh, my preview for New Beginning in Osaka. So that is this coming up. Sunday, February 11th. Um, I know there's uh, Super Bowl Sundays. Also, this Sunday, a lot of big stuff happening uh, outside of wrestling on Sunday. But you need to be locked in, tuned in to New Beginning in Osaka this Sunday. NJPWWorld.com. This is going to be a incredible show. I think we're going to get some uh, uh, match the year contenders here with the semi-main and main event. Uh, we're going to get that feel-good moment with Okada and Tanahashi, their last matchup, Okada's last match in Osaka, the history there. So this is going to be a really great show, and I'm looking forward to uh, reviewing this one next week. Going to transition now into the news. So uh, first bit of news here, Kazuchika Okada, he is now officially a free agent. So Okada's uh, New Japan contract expired at midnight on January 31st, Japanese Standard Time, the 36-year-old released a statement on X thanking fans for supporting NJPW for the last 17 years. Okada wrote, thank you for supporting New Japan Pro Wrestling for 17 years. Thank you very much. I laughed, got angry, cried. It was great. I look forward to playing the remaining three games as a free agent. With Okada's contract expiring, his merchandise is being removed from ProWrestlingTees.com. And Okada also recently applied to trademark his name for wrestling purposes with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. And like we mentioned earlier uh, this year, he filed to trademark Rainmaker for 
uh, wrestling purposes as well. So yeah, so Okada officially a free agent. He will be these last three New Japan matches will be th- technically as a uh, freelancer. And so I know a lot of people have been speculating uh, where he's going to go, especially with his stuff being pulled from Pro Wrestling Tees, and that's not a sign for AEW or WWE. Um, so the Okada merch that's up on Pro Wrestling Tees were, were sold through New Japan. And so we saw a similar thing when Jay White left New Japan and went to AEW. They had to pull all the New Japan store-owned Jay White merch, and then that got moved to his AEW store, and then they created a, you know, AEW Jay White merchandise. And so same thing here, Okada stuff being pulled from that New Japan uh, promoted store that's on Pro Wrestling Tees, and then... If he goes with AEW, obviously there will be an Okada store under the, the AEW branch there on Pro Wrestling Tees. Or if he goes to WWE, his merch will be on WWE Shop. Um, so I haven't heard anything lately on really which way he's going to go other than what everybody else has kind of heard. You know, Dave Meltzer has speculated that, um, well, I guess it reported that AEW has given Okada the higher offer, the the, the higher money offer, and AEW sources say that Tony Khan would not be outbid for Kazuchika Okada. So it really depends on what Okada wants. So if he wants the biggest money deal, it sounds like he's going to get that with AEW and Tony Khan. If he wants that, um, to kind of check off that WrestleMania bucket list, you know, competing on the, the biggest, the grandest stage of them all and being a part of uh, WWE, um, that's going to be the way he goes. And we really haven't heard anything. We know that Tony Khan um, does have a big announcement coming up this Wednesday on Dynamite, but I believe that's going to be him announcing a show um, in Boston TD Gardens and announcing that Mercedes Money is uh, going to be all elite, but it could be a, a double announcement and him being like, yeah, we're going to have Mercedes and Okada debuting on that, on that Boston show, which would be uh, cool for AEW. Um, but I, I, we don't know what, what Okada is going to do. Um, I would guess, and I've kind of felt this way from the beginning, that he's going to go to AEW. He has that friendship and relationship with the young bucks they really helped him out during his time in tna um when he was on excursion here in in orlando and they really looked out for him and he's kind of continued that friendship with them throughout the years and obviously we know the history between him and kenny omega and their friends and i'm sure they would love to wrestle together and obviously will osprey the guy that considered his quote-unquote little brother you know okada was the one that brought Will Ospreay um, in the New Japan after they had that Rev Pro match and brought him in chaos. And we heard Will's promo, um, you know, behind the scenes, Okada really did um, care for Ospreay, the little brother. He made sure that Ospreay, if he didn't have money, that he would get food to eat, take him for a haircut, take him around town, like always made sure that uh, Okada had everything he needed. Uh, or that Osprey had everything he needed, and so he took care of Osprey and took him to the doctor and all that stuff. So clearly, there, even even though you know kayfabe, Osprey turned on Okada, and they're supposed to hate each other. Like 
clearly in real life that they are probably really good friends. And uh, if you follow the tea leaves, like Osprey used Barry Bloom to negotiate his AEW contract and have all these these companies bidding for each other. And then not so shortly after Osprey signs of AEW, all of a sudden Barry Bloom is representing Okada in the contract negotiation. So clearly he, he Okada got that idea from Will and um was showing him, hey, hey, bruv, <laughs> look look at the look at these zeros on this check, bruv. Um so yeah, I, I I highly I would really be surprised and I know that Josh uh we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago and he thinks that Okada will push as a you know he'll be a bigger star in WWE. It'll give him kind of the the Cody rollout and big pyro, big presentation, big you know WrestleMania matches. He'll kind of have a bigger presentation there, but I feel like he cares more about having great matches, um, and I feel like he would see his legacy kind of being. Better health AEW and also the partnership there with New Japan. He can continue to go back if he wanted to and work Tokyo Domes. Um, and also he can keep the Okada name. He'll probably be able to keep the Rainmaker music. We saw Jay White still has the Switchblade music uh, when he's coming out for singles matches. So he would very much be still Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada if he goes to AEW. If he goes to WWE, Maybe they, they let him use a Rainmaker. Maybe they use his real name or they tweak it or drop the first name and he's just Okada. Who knows? There's, there's a lot of things they could do to truly screw up his his legacy, his look, his aura. And yeah, they might push him hot up the gate at first, but how's that working for Cody right now? So uh, moving on to the the next story here, Rossi Ogawa, founder and booker of Stardom, was fired by Bushi Road today. Um, and so I have some bullet points um, from Dave Meltzer's uh, update on the Wrestling Observer uh, website, and also I do have an update from uh, Post Wrestling as well. So. Uh, Here's some bullet points that I uh, pulled out of Dave's report that was behind the paywall on his site uh, today. Um, So, first of all, there were um, allegations surfaced that Ogawa has attempted to uh, poach talent from stardom. And from that bullet point, there are people speculating, oh, is Ogawa going to WWE? Has he been poaching stardom talent to go to WWE. I mean, we saw Kyrie Sane uh, leave Stardom and went back to WWE, and people were speculating that. And then there's been speculation that Rossi's going to start his own promotion, and so that he has been poaching talent and staff and kind of getting them ready to be like, "Hey, you know, I'm going to launch my own thing, and I want you to come with me." That's kind of where all this allegations of, of poaching is coming from. That that he's either taking people with him to WWE or he's taking people to him to start his own promotion. So second thing, um, Ogawa, Rossi, he's been facing challenges with Bushiroad execs uh, for a while now, including Bushiroad fight president um, Katsuhika Harada, who has been overruling his decisions for about nine months now. 
And because of that, Ogawa had already planned to leave because he was tired with these Bushi Road guys messing up his plans, his booking. They were, you know, getting their hand in things. But eventually, Harada was uh, replaced by Tara Okada um, as the Bushi Road fight president in November. Uh, however, uh, even with the management change, Okada, uh, obviously not Suchika Okada, uh, Tara Okada uh, was. Uh, Continuing to also mess up with uh, Ogawa's booking plans, but he at that point Rossi had already planned to leave, um, and so we know that Rossi's sole star in the Bushi Road in 2009, under the impression that he would have autonomy, uh, including a five-year non-compete. So he thought, you know, I'm going to keep booking, but Bushi Road owns it. Um, then the affiliation between Rossi and Bushiroi was set to end on February 18th. That was going to be the end of his contract with them. But then the announcement of Ogawa's firing came early. Uh, many of the stardom talent, they are very loyal to Rossi, uh, who gave them big career breaks. And uh, there are several departures um, expected from stardom. In March, so a lot of the stardom deals are going to be up in March, and that's kind of what we saw with Julia. Uh, Julia was going to compete on the Windy City Riot show in April in Chicago, but due to all this backstage stuff, and she probably knew Rossi was leaving, um, she told company, "Yeah, I, my deal's up in March. I'm finishing up. I'm out of here." And so there's going to be a lot of other uh, stardom talent who. Similar situation, their contracts are going to be up in March, and they're going to be out of there. Um, the one person that will be staying around uh, for the time being will be Mayu Iwatani. So Mayu has a little bit of a longer-term deal. I'm not sure when her contract ends, but um, she did sign a, a more of a, a longer-term deal that was a part of, I think, the, the movie deal, of the movie that's being made about her life, so... Uh, Mayu will be around. I mean, I guess she could ask for a, rele- a release. Uh, we'll see what happens. But as of now, she's the only one that is guaranteed to be around for a bit longer while the rest of the women uh, come March. We're going to probably see a lot of them jumping ship. Uh, so uh, another thing here, um, there were talents that uh, received legal threats uh, for leaving before their contract expired. Um, so apparently, uh, you know, there were talent that knew Rossi was leaving and they wanted to get out there early, uh, but then they started getting legal threats. Um, Dave said that Rossi is not moving to WWE. Now, however, that does not mean that there couldn't be some kind of WWE involvement here. We do know that WWE has been trying to get a foothold in Japan for quite some time now. Uh, they've been trying to do this NXT Japan thing for a while, and um, you know they they've reached out to Stardom in the past. Other than some other other companies in Japan trying to either work with them or buy them, and they, essentially they've been shut out um, at every stop here. But I mean, this could be a situation where where there could be a deal if Rossi is starting a new promotion. He could you know he's going to need funding. And you could have WWE come in there, provide fundings, help him outbid talent, help him uh, pay for talent, outbid um, stardom and, and Bushi Road, and 
kind of help uh, load up the roster. So there could be some WWE involvement helping this new promotion kind of get kicked off, and that could be the way they finally get in Japan. Um, and then uh, last uh, bullet point here, um, Taro Okada and Bushiroad fight uh, merchandise manager Oyama will be taking over as the bookers for stardom despite lacking experience in the role. So apparently these are their other guys that are getting in the mix of messing with the booking and there have been a lot of stardom wrestlers not happy, a lot of stardom fans too not happy with the way things have played out as well. So I think they're going to have a tough task um, booking stardom because uh, it seems like they don't have the experience and they're currently not making uh, fans happy. And then I saw uh, an update on Bushi Road, or excuse me, on um, post wrestling uh, about uh, what uh, Rossi is going to do next. Let me pull that up real quick. Um, so, uh, post wrestling put up a interview that o- Ogawa did with Tokyo Sports, um, and so pretty much to sum this up, Rossi is. According to the Tokyo Sports interview, planning on launching um, a new promotion. It says, I want to do the things that we can't do here at Stardom and Bushi Road. There are quite a few things that can't be done here because we are a big corporation and we can't do everything. So, clearly, there's a plan here for a new promotion. He says, We didn't uh, do it. And referring to poaching talent and staff, there were a lot of wrestlers who heard rumors. And wanted to come here to the new organization. However, uh, Okada was okay with it. Um, so yeah, lots of interesting moving pieces here. And again, these are just kind of cliff notes, highlights. I'm not the stardom Josie expert. Obviously, I'm talking about it here because I'll see um, stardom has is the sister company in New Japan, same parent company, Bushi Road. So. That's kind of what we're hearing from Observer, from Post Wrestling. Uh, there's a lot of other people that are kind of tweeting about it. I would suggest you listen to uh, One Nation Radio this week with uh, Rich Rich Ladd and James Boyd. I'm guessing they're going to talk about it. Um, the Stardom cast, uh, those guys, I'm sure they're going to be covering it. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of, of uh, you know, Joshi podcasts and news sites covering this, talking about this in, in more detail. But again, I think the... The scary thing here is that this could be the door um, that lets WWE in Japan, because uh, even if uh, you know Rossi has no plans to go to WWE and work there, like I mentioned, there is a possibility of them providing funding to Rossi to help him kickstart his new promotion, gets it off the ground, then they start sending women there, and then they, you know, essentially take hold and. It becomes NXT Japan, and they're in Japan. They start trying to uh, do what they've done for decades and take over and destroy territories. So hopefully that is not the situation, but I, I don't know where Rossi would get funding from to, to launch a promotion. I don't know his personal finances, but um, if he's going to want to outbid, but again, it sounds like a lot of these stardom women are very loyal to him and have a more personal relationship with him so maybe they would be willing to, to take pay cuts if it, it means just working with Rossi and knowing that they're going to have um, better creative and kind of be a part of a company that um, kind of fits what they want to do 
Um, did have a question here from Barry Wall says I've been reading about Rossi Ogawa being fired from stardom due to alleged poaching and also also partially due to advising Julia not to join AEW and preventing talent from working on AEW shows. Stardom has its own commitments and shows to book and can't just send talent for a glorified real life fire pro simulation. Is this not alarming? Poaching happens. I mean, New Japan did it with Ishimori years back, and Tony poached about 20% of the roster at this point. Advising someone is surely just that. Advice to someone you know personally. I am not an avid Stardom watcher, but if the Julia thing was the straw that broke the calendar's back, does it not suggest or imply Tony Khan has more influence in Bushi Rose than just within New Japan? Is this somehow not an implication of something bigger and more sinister? I hope it's not anything bigger. It's getting exhausting. Well, uh, Barry, I I don't think that this really uh, has much to do with Tony Khan at all. I know Tony Khan did uh, fire up the the, the X um, after the news of Rossi breaking, uh, being fired broke. And he, you know, was sending kind of several tweets of being um, essentially happy that Rossi is out of there. And I think to that, there's been rumors and stories that Tony has tried to get starter women to work AEW shows and it hasn't worked out. And apparently they wanted uh, stardom. They wanted Chris Statlander to appear on one of their shows at some point and didn't work out. So there's just kind of been this awkward relationship between them. Clearly, AEW and New Japan are working together, and I'm, I'm guessing they figured, oh, well, we're working with one Bushiroad company, we, we can work with the other one, and it hasn't worked out that way. And uh, some cl- clearly there's been some hurt feelings, and apparently Tony thinks that Rossi is uh, probably the reason for why there hasn't been more of a relationship with stardom, and he sounds like he... Believes that Rossi is doing all this stuff for the Fed, for WWE. So clearly that's what all the Tony Tony Khan stuff is about. I don't think Tony Khan has any influence in Bushi Road at all. Um, I, he has influence on booking his guys against New Japan guys. Um, but I don't think anything... Tony has no influence on what Bushi Road fight is doing with stardom. Um uh, this has nothing to do, I think, any heinous thing with him or trying to um, be mad at them for uh, for Rossi. I mean, he, he's going to be mad because of that, but I don't think that anything malicious is, is happening here with AW and Tony. I think the thing to be worried about, like I mentioned, is WWE getting their foothold in here and seeing this as, a, as an opportunity to get in Japan. Swig of water for the solo man here. All right, so uh, so yeah, so that's the uh, the news there uh, with Rossi Ogawa. Like I mentioned, I would highly suggest that you uh, tune into some uh, Joshi experts. Definitely listen to One Nation Radio. I know they are also recording uh, right now. Uh, they have their live stream going on on Twitch, so I'm sure that they will be covering uh, this stuff, and they will have more details, especially James Boyd. So check them out and. Uh, You'll get some more details on this whole uh, Rossi stardom situation. Um, but following that, um, there has been a match announced for the IWGP Women's Championship. Mayu Iwatani will defend the IWGP Women's Championship against Mina Shirakawa on February 23rd. 
New Beginning in Sapporo Night 1. So we do know we've seen some issues with getting uh, Stardom Woman and the IWGP and Strong Women's titles booked regularly on big New Japan shows. Um, and so, uh, again, I'm wondering if that we've heard the rumors that that's been an issue of Gato. Gato not wanting to book this and Aussie Bushi Road executives have been in the mix. So I'm wondering if even uh, Rossi was kind of against it, too, maybe. Um, and now he's out of there. So maybe Bushi Road is now going to be strong arming Gato and be like, we're, we're going to do this. So um I mean, I, I'm down. Um, Mayu and Mina are awesome, so that should be a good match for uh, New Beginning in Sapporo Night 1. In other news, Stone Pitbull Tomohiro Ishii will challenge Orange Cassidy for the AEW International Championship this coming Saturday on Collision. Then, in other news, my man, Satoshi Kojima, the leader of the Bread Club, he defeated Alex Kane this past weekend to become the first ever two-time MLW champion. And he's going to defend that title against Minoru Suzuki on February 29th at MLW Intimidation Games. Uh, you know, I have not seen the match yet, but I was very um, ecstatic to see that Kojima won the MLW title. Uh, I, I did say, I, I said, you know, Court Bauer. If you want me to start watching MLW again, you, you you put the strap on my man Kojima. You know I, I watched the original MLW back in the early 2000s, and that's where I first saw Kojima and saw his MLW run, and uh, that's how I really started to uh, follow Kojima. And uh, it's so cool that you know he's back in MLW, and I've been saying it because since they relaunched MLW, I was like, man, you, you got to get Kojima back in there. You have to get. Uh, him a title match, and but uh, yeah, I'm pretty pumped that he uh, he won the title here, um, two time MLW champ, and it seems like they're going to give him a, a little run of the title before he probably I would assume drops it back to Alex Kane or some other guy that they're pushing. But yeah, really cool news here for uh, Kojima for the, the Bread Club members around the world. We all uh, in, in, in uh, partaked in bread. This weekend, as we celebrated, you know, I had some uh, Texas toast uh, uh, this weekend and today uh, to, to celebrate Satoshi Kojima winning the uh, MLW World Heavyweight title. So great stuff there. Uh, definitely going to have to watch the match and uh, I'll see the Suzuki match coming up and uh, seems like, uh, you know, the cozy one is in for a uh, really great year. Uh, following that, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. will be facing uh, Shabam at Set Up Thailand Pro Wrestling on March 23rd. Also on that show, El Fantasma will face Jonathan Johnson. So this is a, a Thailand promotion here. Apparently, these are two of their top stars. Uh, will be facing off against uh, ZSJ and ELP. And then last thing in the news here, Yuto Nakashima will face Luke Jacobs coming up at RevPros Live in Southampton 28 this Sunday. So that is it for the news. Going to move into questions and get ready to uh, wrap this show up. So a uh, question here from Def Triangle 720 This is, if you guys watch the BTR videos for certain matches, do you think New Japan 
could use some more exciting music. Uh, I mean, I watch all the VTRs and they usually show them before the matches. Um, and I personally have not had an issue with <laughs> any of the music they've used. I mean, I think that's one of the best things that New Japan does are, are their VTR. So I'm fine with what they've been doing. He also asked, do you think New Japan has to rely on other companies' talent for the heavyweight tag team division? Uh, no, I, I don't think they do. Um, they showed in World Tag League that they have a, a lineup of teams that they can, they can use. Let me uh, pull up this World Tag League lineup real quick. So, yeah, so I've got, got the lineup here. So look at the teams that we had in World Tag League. You, you had Coughlin and Gabe Kidd. You have TMDK, you had Ishiyano, Okan Hanare, um, obviously Umeo Narita, that's not going to work. Uh, they used Kiyomiya and Oiwa. Then in the B block, you had Higaleo ELP, you got Bishamon, Monster Sauce, Taichi and Uemura. They used uh, Soberano and Atlantis, Suji and Zandakon Jr., Nagata and Suzuki. Like there were a lot of really solid teams in this tournament, and the fact that, uh, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, it's kind of ridiculous that they going with uh, Chase and Kenta when you look at the field here. Like, there's so many other teams that they could have used to go up against ELP and Nicoleo. Um, So I, I don't think they have to rely on other. I mean, yeah, they can bring in the uh, CMLL and AW and Rep Pro guys, but they have a, a little mini division that they just haven't really been using. And his last question, is there something from a production standpoint New Japan can improve on? Um, Yeah, I think there is a camera quality. Like, I watch, whenever I watch Noah shows, like, I just feel like their camera work, or not necessarily camera work, but their camera quality is just far more crisp. It feels like it's shot in 4K. I don't know if that is, but it's really, like, high-quality HD kind of stuff and it just looks it looks like wwe in a way like it looks like all right this is a top and major league promotion and a lot of times new japan shows don't always feel that way and even with like the new japan world update at least for me i haven't noticed a drastic different in the the picture quality um so i think that's something that they could improve on and again uh with noah there i love with noah the way that they um, bring up stats with the guys throughout the match. I, th- I think that's a cool production element to kind of help newer fans get to know guys or, you know, pull these stats up that kind of lead into the match. So I think that's another kind of cool production thing that Noah does that I think New Japan could pick up on. Oh, uh, yeah, but I'll say those would probably be like two of the, the main things for me. Uh, next question here from that dude named Menace says, realistically, who is the next couple of challengers for the heavyweight title? Um, I think, well, obviously it depends on whether uh, Naito retains or Sonata wins. Um, but I think that Zack Sabre Jr. is realistic. I think Shingo Takagi is realistic. Um, I think that they should get some of these uh, Ray Wild Musketeers um, on title match. Um, whether they win it or not, I think that would be helpful. I mean, I think um, Tai Chi's a guy that could potentially challenge, not win it. Um, 
I'm trying to think. Those are the first few names that are coming to my mind right now. Um, also, we got John Moxley challenging. Um, well, he's facing Naito, but I'm assuming Naito's going to win. But, you know, you'll have Moxley challenging. So, again, we could see some AEW guys uh, come challenge as well. Then uh, his last question here, thoughts on the whole Rock Roman fiasco? <laughs> oh, man. Um you know, obviously, we're not a WWE podcast, uh, but obviously, I keep aware of stuff that's happening in the wrestling world, and obviously, uh, WWE is, is the biggest, uh, you know, in the in the wrestling world. But man, this whole Rock Roman Cody stuff has been peak comedy. Like, I, I watched that SmackDown segment on YouTube because you know, obviously, I saw, I heard what happened, and I, I've seen memes and clips of. Uh, Cody essentially being forced to give his main event to The Rock, and they're building this whole Rock and Roman thing. But that whole segment, uh, I mean, if you if you want a good laugh, uh, you, you need to go on YouTube and, and watch that segment from SmackDown last Friday. Uh, first of all, it's hilarious because you have Roman out there, and he's burying uh, Seth Rollins. He's burying that uh, the second world title, and uh, essentially saying the things that we all say about that world title it's a fake title uh and uh Seth Rollins is you know carrying around this uh essentially loser's title uh and pretty much everything that everybody says negatively about that world title and Seth Rollins Roman said it all right there in his promo and talking about uh yeah I know that you uh are upset that I work 10 times less as you but I make 10 times as more as you and he's like, Cody, do you, do you want Seth Rollins money or you want Roman money? And just completely burying Seth Rollins. It, it was hilarious. And then Cody comes out there and he's cutting his promo and, uh, you know, he wants to take everything from Roman, but he, uh, you know, he had counsel before he, you know, his decision. And then out comes, you know, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and, he gives Cody this hug, and you can just see that Cody's dejected and just not happy. And then you have the face off with Rock and Roman, and um, clearly it seems like that's going to be Roman Reigns versus Rock um, at WrestleMania. And it's just that whole segment was hilarious. And the more the news is coming out about some of the backstage stuff that's going on, it's pretty hilarious. You know, apparently, uh, the Rock, if you, people don't know, the uh, the Rock is now part of the TKO board of directors, which TKO is the new you know parent company merger that uh, runs WWE and UFC. That's owned by Endeavor. Um, so Rock is a part of the board of directors, and apparently a part of the deal with him becoming a part of the board was this main event match with Roman Reigns, and apparently that was signed January third. So they knew that. Rock was coming in and won this match, and they still had Cody Rhodes come out here and win the Royal Rumble, and then they went out here and embarrassed this man <laughs> on uh, SmackDown. So, yeah, the whole thing has just been absolutely hilarious. Ultimate politicking from Dwayne. They're they're trying to, you know, reignite a, uh, a version of the Yes movement with Cody, and I don't think it's going to quite hit the same, so... 
there's just so much about that whole situation that's hilarious. But again, um, if you want more insight onto that, I'm sure uh, One Nation Radio, I'm sure they're going uh, deep on that. Um, Imp's WWE Adventure uh, this week, I'm sure he'll, he'll cover some of that stuff as well. So check out those shows right here on uh, Social Suplex. But yeah, the whole, the whole thing is, is absolutely hilarious. And I don't understand why they had Cody win the Rumble and why... They're doing all this to him, but hey, uh, I, I'm not a fan of the promotion. It's peak comedy to me, and so I, I, I just feel bad for uh, you know Cody fans like our, like our boy Floyd uh, over at All Things Elite uh, who really want to see Cody finish his story, and it was laid out there perfectly. They should have done it last year, and they had. Luckily, you know Cody is still as over as he was last year. They could have done it this year, but you know Johnsonism. <laughs> uh, moving on to uh, Let's Commission 7252 What hopes and fears Will you guys have Post Okada era uh, My hopes are that They push People that need to be pushed uh, Hanare, Gabe Kid, All all these Wardog guys, Zack Sabre Jr uh, Shingo The Rewa Musketeers Like Elevate guys that deserve to be at the top of the card. Um, so yeah, that's my hope that uh, we get this kind of rebuilding period where we do create new stars, new rivalries, and it, it becomes exciting because we have new stories, new challenges, new um, things to kind of do. And so I, you know, we, we keep saying New Japan has a super talented roster. Um, they have access to a lot of great talent between their partners, between RevPro. CMLL, AEW, uh, they're doing all this stuff now, you know, in Asia, you know, they're going to Thailand, like, they have the pipeline to bring fresh, new, exciting talent in, they already have, um, you know, an established, exciting roster as well, even with a lot of guys leaving, so my hopes are that, yeah, we build new stars, get hot new rivalries, hot programs, and that this new generation can help, you know, Bring Bushi Road, bring New Japan back up, and you know get it back on the upswing. My fears are that um, Gato will only want to rely on Naito, um, and he's uh, Naito is already kind of a wounded horse, and um, you know things could take a, a downswing if we don't start pushing the newer talent. Uh, if we don't get the the Musketeers and the War Dogs and um, Vegeta and Oiwa and all if we don't get these guys over it's gonna be bad because you already have you know the top of the card is, is aging Naito he's getting up there has a bad knees has a bad eyes uh Shingo as much as I, I love Shingo and Shingo is still he's still great and still go he is older um even Zack Sabre Jr. um is is an I think he's like what mid like mid thirties now, but uh, again, he he's getting up there. So he's eventually going to be getting up there. And so we have these 20 somethings, uh, you know, mid 20 something, early 20 something, late 20 something war dogs and Vegeta, all these guys, all these young lions, like let's get them cooking. Let's get them rolling. Like I, I want to see Gato uh, try some things. Um, and, you know, sometimes you have to throw things up against a wall and see if it sticks you know, I'm not saying you you do another evil title run or anything like that, but 
clearly you have um, super talented guys in um, the the Rayo Musketeers, Umino, Suji, Uemura, um, Renarita. Like, pick one of those guys and go with them. Um, elevate these guys. Like, one of these Musketeers should win the New Japan Cup. One of them should win the G1. We need to get these guys going. So my fears will, will be we don't get anybody going, and we're going to rely on Naito and older stars, and then we're going to have this kind of lost generation of guys that don't get over. Uh, his next question, he says, will Vince get the Benoit treatment once proven guilty? Um, Probably. I mean, it seems like they're already kind of trying to uh, scrub him and wipe him, wipe him out of uh, as much stuff as they can. Um, obviously, it's, it's going to be very hard, especially during the, the Attitude Era, to uh, completely wipe Vince out. Also, he was the hottest heel of that, that rivalry with Stone Cold. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that they are going to try to scrub as much as him out. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of revisionist history. And I think, I mean, they'll, they'll probably just try not, not to show <laughs> highlights and maybe even just, just kind of focus on that quote unquote reality era, focus on, focus on Cena and Batista and not show a lot of in stuff. Uh, next question here from Bungholio underscore the mighty and uh, Bungholio, your, your name has popped a, a lot of listeners uh, in, in the Discord, they were uh, talking about, uh, you know, favorite listener names and, and Bungholio. They have decided that you are the number two and in, in best uh, listener usernames, keeping it strong. So, uh, so he says, uh, would President Tanahashi sign Jacob Fatu now that he's a free agent? I feel that like he would be perfect for New Japan, given how well he was received during Battle of the Valley. What say you? Yeah, Jacob Fatu is awesome. He's raw. I know that there was, uh, you know, a legal incident with him several years ago of an arrest, but apparently that was a long time ago, and he's been straight since then. And, yeah, I mean, he is incredible talent, super athletic for a guy his size. Um, if I'm, I mean, they have no problem bringing in a guy like Matt Riddle. Why not? bring in Jacob Fatu, but we'll have to see kind of where the money lines, and also he's part of the um, Anoi Fatu family, uh, that whole, you know, Samoan wrestling dynasty, so, uh, you know, they, they want to keep the bloodline story going forever, I mean, you could literally pluck Jacob Fatu and put him in that bloodline and keep that thing going, so. For him, I mean, also he's going to be, he just wrapped up MLW. He's going to be looking for probably bigger money, bigger platform. So um, I think New Japan would be great. But again, New Japan can outbid AEW or WWE. So I could see both of those promotions uh, trying to bid for him. Next question here from Lee Chang is Bay 2. Does the WWE dropped a promo on NXT Vengeance last night about a man with three faces, a popular Japanese proverb. Is this Okada? I'm not going to lie. I am intrigued by what the WWE can do with Okada, especially with Triple H booking. And like Youngboy says, they will make him look like a star right out of the gate. Um, 
I, you know, I did not see this promo. Uh, I'll say I don't, I did not watch Vengeance Day. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I, I know people did say if Okada was going to WWE, they would start him out in NXT. But again, I, I really think he's going to AEW. Uh, I don't have any sources or confirmation on that. That's literally just my gut feeling and just how the way things are shaking out right now. And just how cocky and boastful TK is right now, I really think Okada is going to AEW. So I don't think he's this mystery man for NXT. And if I'm WWE, like the amount of money that you're paying Okada, why would you even? It's not like it's even like the, you know, black and gold, the the real black and gold NXT where they brought Nakamura in and you're doing these big takeovers that are 10,000 seaters and you can. Um, and the hardcores are watching it. Like I, I don't see the appeal at all for Okada going to NXT. Um, I guess if you wanted to learn to work the hard cam, like I don't know, just keep him in the PC until you're ready to debut him. I would not put Okada on NXT. Uh, next set of questions here from the Dark Soldier it says, "Would Wrestle Kingdom this year have been improved if months before Naito told Sonata in a segment?" I will have my roll call, not at the Tokyo Dome. Kiji Muto comes out, him and Naito hug, and we get Muto over Sonata. Finally, after all these years, it would have been the right call, right? So clearly uh, poking fun at the uh, Cody Rock Roman situation. Uh, He also says, the story is finished. Kojima is MLW World Champion. Time for Bread Club to win all the other world titles in the other companies, right? Yes, if Kojima's going to be uh, staying in America, let's get him uh, get him over the TNA, get him that uh, TNA Impact World title, uh, you know, bring him over here to Tampa, let's get him the uh, Tampa Bay Pro World title, let's get him an FIP, get that FIP title, let's take him, uh, you know, he can beat Kenta for the Defy title, give, give this man belts, let's get him in uh, GCW in, the, in that garbage promotion, let's get him, you know, Saving that title, give give Kojima all the belts. Bread Club for life. Let's see. Also asks, will Gabe Kid eventually stop being a kid and become a man? Well, I, I get the joke you're trying to make here, but Gabe keeps he's a, he's a madman, you know. <laughs> uh, his last question: um, While legends Kojima and Nagata seem to be heading out and having a pseudo second uh, renaissance in their careers, after all, Kojima finished the story, and that's not even taking into account the that American indie wrestler Minoru Suzuki. Why hasn't Hiroshi Tenzan done the same? Not complaining or anything, just curious. He's someone who I feel can show those young whippersnappers what it's all about. Yeah, I just, I don't think uh, Tenzon. I mean, he his body's all jacked up, and I sure the last thing he wants to do is get on a plane and fly here and, and wrestle. Um, and plus two, I don't think Tenzon is as over with the Western crowd as Kojima and Suzuki are. Obviously, the whole the Bread Club thing has gotten Kojima over uh, with Western fans, and obviously Suzuki's. You know, reputation and being murder grandpa and being on yeah every independent show there is known a man um it's gotten over here in the west so tenzon's just not one of those guys where like 
I don't think there's a huge crowd that's going to be drawing for Tenzon. Um, so, um, yeah, and again, to his body and probably doesn't want to travel. Uh, let's see here. Next the questions uh, from Barry Walsh. Uh, he says, are either of you worried for Tanahashi in the president role? Your parent company's not doing well financially. Your top star leaves. A lot of talent contracts are in the air and the yen is suffering badly. If things don't go well for him, possibly even due to unforeseen circumstances, where does he go from here? His in-ring career is winding down. And I doubt he would be removed as president and just go back to a regular wrestler. Is there a worry it's too much to deal with for New Japan president that could lead to him parting ways with New Japan down the road? I would hate to see a day he has he wasn't connected to New Japan. Um, I'm, I mean, right now I'm not worried. Um. Uh, and I think the hard thing too, like we talked about when he first became president, is we don't know like exactly what he's doing as president. We don't know what his decisions are unless he outright comes out and says, "It's my idea to put G one back to two blocks," it's or "It's my idea to you know make Umino the world champion." Like we're not gonna know what. He does unless he actually says it, and so it's kind of hard, hard to judge. Like, all right, is he a actually a good president? Um, so I I'm not worried. I mean, I'm optimistic. Um, Tanahashi, this is a role that he's wanted for a long time. He does um, kind of have the I think it's a business degree. Like I, I and he's somebody that can understand management and the wrestlers. I think there's a lot of upside with Tanahashi as. Um, the president and for right now I think it's way too early to be Concerned I, I think we need to You know as the, the Fed fans say Let it play out uh, Barry's next question says, I read a recent interview in which Tanahashi stated he wanted New Japan to have its own three to 4,000 capacity Stadium for larger events and call It a Noki Stadium Do you think this would be feasible giving Bushiro's current financial issues and do you think It's a good idea anyway I think it could lead to oversaturation in one area, and it's an odd move for a touring company. Any takes? Yeah, I did see uh, Tanahashi mentioning yeah, wanting to potentially yeah build a quote-unquote Anoki Stadium. Um, I think for right now, I I don't see this being anytime soon. Like you mentioned, Bushi Road, there's a lot of financial stuff that they're trying to rebound from, but... You know, there's also the rumors of the Tokyo Dome and Cork and Hall being teared down. And, uh, you know, if you tear down Cork and Hall, I mean, that's the, their main venue in Tokyo uh, for, you know, row two shows, smaller shows. You know, they always run Super Juniors and G1. There's always nights in Cork and the Fantastic Mania. Like, Cork and would be, I think, a big loss uh, for them. So, uh, I think... You know, eventually wanting to have their own Tokyo-owned location could be the move. Uh, it's a building they can control and uh, cork and haul eventually if it, that gets teared, torn down. Uh, let's see. In his last question here, could Okada uh, deciding to leave have anything to do with his match with Tangaloa? It was after the G1 rumors uh, first appeared and perhaps after those devastating chops he had enough of real strong style. Uh, no, uh, Okada leaving had nothing to do with Tangaloa. It has all to do with those zeros that either 
Nick Khan or Tony Khan are going to put on this check. All right, well, that is the last question that I have here uh, for recommended match of the week. Going to uh, put a, a hold on that for this week, and we'll, we'll pick it back up next week, hopefully, uh, with the young boy back in action. So uh, with that, that's going to wrap things up here for us this week. Next week, we'll be back to review the new beginning in Osaka. So if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation. You can visit socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping a Strong Style logo. Make sure to connect with us on social media on X. You can follow us at KI Strong Style. You can follow the network at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan on Facebook. Follow us at Facebook.com slash Social Suplex and the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group on Reddit. I am the pro black guy and Josh is keeping a strong style. Join our Social Suplex Discord server to interact with us and other wrestling fans. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio with Rich Latta and James Boyd. All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr. and Austin Sumowitz. Imps WWE Adventure with the Implications Matthew Mayer. Wrestling Art with Chris Things. Tunnel Talk with Ali and Leah. And the Trish and Sarah Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style. The Ace of Podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.